Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. This is episode 186. I am Greg Srizabosti, part of the Cinematics crew. I am joined by my betters. First off, Eric Holmes, or should I call you Eric Holmes, Dick Cavett, or John Davidson, or Bruce Perky. Give me some other great interviewers who were uh, Edward R. Murrow. Uh, was that, is that a, Bruce, you have any ideas of great interviewers? I was just going to yeah. say Dick Cavett, and you already got Dick Cavett. Oh, so okay, I'm, I'm Dick Cavett. Stuck. I was going to say the Arsenio Hall of cinematics. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Eric, Eric Holm, well, we, me and Bruce, we actually incarnated Dick Cavett. Not, he's still alive, I think. Dick Cavett. What is it like to be the big dick of interviewers uh, as far as this week? What have you, have you been doing? And is it is it great to feel, uh, is it a good feeling to be a big dick as far as interviewers go? Well, I've never been described as the big dick before, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be that today. It's a family show. Family, yes. We're talking about the moniker, right, Richard? Richard, 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 is that better for the family show, Bruce Berge? What do you think? I mean, yeah. What's wrong with Richard? It's great. There's nothing wrong with. There's nothing. I love Richard. So much Richard. (laughs) Richards and. <laughs> no, the, it's, his name is not Richard. His name is not Susan. His name is Eric Holmes. Thanks again, Eric Holmes, for the, all the interviews. What have you been doing this week? Are you still? Do you still want to interview people? Because uh, me and Bruce were burned out from interviewing people. Does it still give you a charge and passion for uh, talking to people? Yeah, so it's been pretty good. I got the see. I, I, I can't remember what's out already and what's to come, but the did one with uh, Adrian Grunberg. Did Black Demon, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to talk to Chaz Bono. Um, he did. He was in Bury the Bride, which is directed by uh, uh, Spider One, Rob Zombie's brother. Okay, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about more of that next week. But uh, that, I'm just banging alert. Let, let's just say that uh, Sam Green for Thirty Two Sounds tomorrow. I'm talking to uh, uh, Yamari uh, Hellender. Uh, okay, who uh, directed Sisu and Rare Exports, and yeah, we got. Mm. We got some uh, pretty decent interviews and a bunch of great movies. Today we're talking about some great movies, so you don't have to wait till next week. (laughs) You need to get some great movies today. Well, if someone asked you, Eric Holmes, since you're now a veteran interviewer, any advice on interviewing people, what kind of advice would you give a newbie into this interviewing business? Um, I'll give a Greg answer and say, listen to what I do and don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bruce, you've interviewed people. What, what would happen if someone asked you, Bruce Perky, I, I need some interviewing help on, on my own interviews. What, what kind of advice would you get from your experience as an interviewer? Uh, I mean, okay. The, 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 I'm not going to do a jokey answer. I would just say, be your natural self. And what, what, how, do you, how, do you, how does one do that, Bruce? Have I mean, you know, you that have to out. pretend to be somebody that you're not. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> just, be, just be yourself or try to pretend to be a version of yourself. Yes, Eric Holmes. I, I, do, I do have some, uh, some, I don't know if it's advice, probably just a way to do things. But the, the PR people that set up the interview are great people. Thank them. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to help the movie and they're trying to help us. And, you know, I, I, would, uh, I would thank them. Uh, when you do the interviews over Zoom or doing, if they're in the area. I've been, oh, wow, Eric, that's great uh, advice. I, I don't, I've been doing interviews since 1991. I've yet to thank anybody. Bruce, am I doing it the wrong way? I'm not thanking a publicist. Is that my perfect, 
Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. No, you're, you're ensuring Eric future interviews. So. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. Eric Holmes. That is a very good piece of advice. Listeners of this podcast, if you want to do your own podcast, maybe even your own website or just interview people, actors, filmmakers, writers within the business, film or television or whatnot, always thank the publicists. They're the ones who set up the interviews. Mm-hmm. Make sure. Who, and you know what? They really go to bat for you. So sometimes maybe A-list or B-list talent may not want to talk to you. And who knows? Maybe that publicist, they will go to bat and make sure you get that time slot. So always be kind and and giving and actually like honestly what Bruce said, Bruce said, be yourself and definitely be nice to publicists. Those are some great advice, uh, tips from Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Bruce Perky, this is a big week. Are you excited for the movies that we're covering? I'm looking at your Google Doc with you. Really uh, did a great job at forming. Is, are we covering too many movies this week, Bruce? No, 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 no. I think we have a, the normal five to ten. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think we have, what do we have total? Like about six, maybe? Yeah. that many. Okay. We don't have any like recommends or box movies. That kind of blocks out a little extra spot for something else today. Yes, we do have a rotating pick. That's my pick. It's called mm-hmm. All Night Long. It's a jazzy film. I don't know how we're, we're going to talk about it. It's a very interesting black and white film with, I believe, Patrick McGowan's in it from, I think... What's the movie that Patrick McGoo, the series that he's best known as the, not the, the prisoner, future, the prisoner. Thank you, Bruce Berkey, which I'm sure when you were growing up, you were a fan of, or maybe in your, in your twenties or thirties, I'm, I'm stereotyping you. I'm, I'm saying that you must've been a big fan of the prisoner. I was a fan of the prisoner. And also if you're a fan of Iron Maiden and you've listened to the number of the beast, you are very well aware of the prisoner. Oh, okay. Very, very good. Are you, were, were, were you very well aware of the prisoner, Eric Holmes, because you are a fan of said Rock group? Are you a fan uh, of Iron and Maiden? I, I, I do like Iron Maiden a lot. I did not put that together. Um, maybe if it if it's in the lyrics, I don't listen to lyrics. It too literally much. has <laughs> clips from the show where he's yelling like, "I am not a number. I am a man." All this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah okay. I must yeah. be confusing that with Elephant Man. I'm not an animal. <laughs> yes, that is the elephant man. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> so for this week, for episode 100, I believe it was 86. We are, I, I hopefully, Bruce, I'm, I'm doing it correctly, 186. You are These correct. Are movie- okay, thank you, Eric Holmes. The movies we're covering, Joyland, A Touch of Zen, which is, what is, why are we covering A Touch of Zen, Eric Holmes? Because it's a movie that's been out for a while. It's considered a classic. What is that in relation to? Well, they got the 10th Old School Kung Fu Fest. Um, I interviewed Goran Topolovic, uh from Subway Cinema. And apparently they uh, – th- this is the 10th Fest. It's not necessarily the 10th year they've done this. But, um, yeah, they do uh, a bunch of Kung Fu Fests and basically celebrating Asian cinemas, at least within the genre. And, uh, yeah, th- this is one of the – this is one of the bigger movies that's playing the Kung Fu Fest. And – Greg, I believe you mentioned that they're doing a, they have a, I, I didn't know about this until I heard you talk about, but uh, they have a documentary from the director of yeah, Touch the, of Zen. Yes, uh, the, uh, the the director of A Touch of Zen, I, I believe several of his films, I'm, I'm trying to look what, what his name is, King Who, I believe, but he, that is the main, that is the actually main film that's going to be spotlighted as far as the old school Kung Fu fest. So that's going to be, look, it's very, here's the thing. You just go to Subway Cinema. We're going to be talking about that, subwaycinema.com. When Eric and I do a quick review of A Touch of Zen, we'll tell you guys more about the old school Kung Fu Fest. If you're in New York and you know a thing or two about the Metrograph Theater, 
you'll be able to see it. If you're at home, maybe there might be a way you can actually catch it on a virtual level. So unfortunately, Bruce was not able to see a touch of Zen. So me and Eric will be covering a touch of Zen. And hopefully Bruce down the line gets to see it because it's a very interesting movie, very long movie. I think close to maybe three hours or something like that. I think it's just over three hours, just under three hours. But I I mean, we'll talk about it, but it it moves. It definitely, oh yes, it doesn't feel like three hours. Yes. And then Bruce, we're covering a movie called To Catch a Killer with Shailene Woodley, To Catch a Killer. And we actually, any teaser you want to say about To Catch a Killer before we launch into our features? Anything? Um, Boring and terrible title, but Um, maybe it's a good movie. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's a good movie. Look, I was born in Jackson Heights, which I believe Jackson Heights, New York back in 1971. I believe that's in Queens or next to Queens. I was so excited to be about seeing somewhere in Queens. I actually requested for the screening link a couple of weeks ago. Bruce and Eric did the watched it about I think at least a week, week and a half ago. It starts Ray Romano. Eric and Bruce will have a review of somewhere in Queens only in theaters on Friday. So those are the movies we're covering. There's also we the aforementioned Barry the Bride. But first off, let's start with the movie that has the worst title of this week. It's to catch a killer. found his mark no casings no brass not a single fingerprint start recording every face on video get him on your phone he didn't come here to die and he does not want to be found we're gonna disappoint him these people they're just born playing evil evil is cutting off a bird's wing just to see what happens this guy is swatting mosquitoes Why'd you say that thing about mosquitoes? I don't think he's looking for destruction. I think he's looking for relief. What's your name? Eleanor Falcos. She's staying? I'd have to ask for your transfer. I'd be working for the Bureau. You were rejected by the Bureau. It was your psycho that did you in. Aggressive, addictive, antisocial. This is the profile of people we arrest, not hire. I think you got terror. I need you to use it as fuel to bring me something new now. This guy's on a spiral of destruction. I expect you to slide down after him. Different genders, different races. There's no pattern. Somebody trained him. Somebody loved him. Somebody sold him that gun. We find them. We find our guy. Two reasons why you might be getting a good read on them. FBI! Drop your weapon! Why do I have to play by your rules? They brought me in because they thought I'd understand you. You're making any progress? Well, I'm here. And simply put, it's set in Baltimore, and Shailene Woodley is a cop. She has a past. And she's recruited by an FBI official played by Ben Mendelsohn to help her, quote unquote, catch a killer, specifically a sniper who on New Year's Eve killed easily over 20 people 
a couple of people in the high rise and apartment buildings out there. He's a, he or she is a cold, cold hearted killer. So the, the, there's a lot of people who are dying and it's up to Ben Mendelsohn's character and Shailene Woodley's character, along with a team of I mean, Woodley's character plays a liaison between the Baltimore PD and the FBI. And then Mendelsohn is the smart FBI profiler slash official. So that is their dynamic for to catch a killer. This movie's pretty much close to two hours. We're recording a little bit late because Eric Holmes re- has fresh eyes. I saw it today, but Eric Holmes, as of like maybe 10 or 15 minutes ago, finished to catch a killer. Eric Holmes, what is your fresh take on this movie? Um, this is probably a movie that should be nominated for an Oscar um, and will not be. Uh, I love, love, love this movie. So it does the it does the Silence of the Lambs thing, the Seven thing, the Zodiac thing, the Prisoners thing. Um, but also it's kind of updated today because it's got uh, commentary on the you know, how the news media treats, um, you know, uh, tragic events. It has commentary on how the police are mostly incompetent and usually think the, uh, usually have their priorities uh, misplaced um, with how to treat people. And it does all that without, um, without treating the killer as a hero, which is very easy to do in a movie like this. Um, it starts off great, has great premise, and just kind of keeps going. Uh, yeah, I just got done watching it, and I wish I was still watching it. Like it, it it's it just kind of had me going from start to start to finish. One hour and fifty nine minutes. Eric Holmes, any flab on this R rated film, or did you think the length no. was okay? And in fact, this so like a lot of movies, um, you know, they'll do the. Uh, we talked about Tetris, for example. Tetris, the love Tetris. Believe we gave it four stars. But the my problems with Tetris is that it had too much uh, subplot where it didn't need it. This is just absolutely straight focus on the story. It's focus on the case. It's focus on the characters that matter within the case, and uh, it's focus on the uh, you know the uh, social commentary that it's uh, you know expressing. And yeah, there wasn't. I, I didn't notice one part where it's like, ah, oh, you could have cut that. It's just. It's just. It, it's long, but it's lean because uh, what would you cut from it? Maybe, maybe five seconds of a scene of Shane Lee Woodley walking into a, you know, room, maybe, uh, maybe two seconds of Ben Mendelsohn leaving a room, maybe. But other than <laughs> that, like no, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any plot points or God, God, I don't think there was any subplot. And, and like all the, all the subtext was text. Which, you know, for some people might be annoying, but I've said this before in certain things that, that there's certain things that uh, our society is just so blatantly stupid and doesn't catch on to. So a movie like this has to be kind of beat you over the head with it because it's a problem. You know, there are problems that have been persisting for a long time. So if a movie's going to make a comment about that, you know, it's got to, hey, McFly, you in there, McFly? You know, that sort of thing, because... uh you know, we're clearly not getting it on our own. So if we're going to pick anything up from a movie, you got to uh, you got to use a sledgehammer sometime. OK, cool. Bruce, you might have more information on this than I do, because it's directed and co-written by Damien Sifron, S-C-I-F-R-O-N, Argentinian filmmaker from a movie that maybe you might have liked years ago. Can you give us a little bit of insight on that and then your overall big picture take on To Catch Killer? Well, I think Eric's seen it, too. The Wild Tales. This is the same director that made Wild Tales. Um, 
I do not know why this director is not making way more movies. Uh, I believe if you look at his uh, IMDb, I think Wild Tales is 2000, almost 10 years ago. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got maybe a TV series and maybe another movie in there. But I, it, I don't this, think so. There should be like a movie every two years from this director. And this director is producing really great work. So here's the thing with this movie. Um, I think it has a lot of the same DNA with the movies that Eric mentioned. Exactly. Especially you really see there are some Silence of the Lambs, you know, connections here, you know, with the young FBI. Well, she's not FBI, but she's kind of kind of recruited as a uh, de facto FBI agent because they see that she's kind of got some real um, some real observational skills. Like she's she's above and beyond just the, uh, you know, cop on the street, which she starts out as. But what I, I loved about this movie was several things I really like about this movie. One is the characters are smart and the script is smart too. So it lets us understand how they're figuring things out as they go. Uh, but it doesn't have to resort to a bunch of um, exposition dumps. You know, it lets, it lets you learn through the activities. You know, little things like, for example... The opening is kind of this montage of all these shootings, which is really well done, really sets the stakes. And then you have Shailene as a cop on the street, just like running towards the building, which is amazing. And little scenes like she stops and says, stop, film the people coming out of this building. If the killer's in there, it's one of these people. Little things like that. And they don't forget that. They let that be part of the story. And then later on, when they're trying to figure out you know, where the, the shooter was at, you know, it shows them setting up the lasers and how that works. And they don't explain it all to you, but it makes sense. And it's cool looking and it's cool, like police work. And it's interesting. And then on top of that, there are some great tense set pieces amid the great police work. So I'm not going to say what happens in these scenes. There's a scene in a mall. It's an extended scene, a before and after scene. And that's probably a good 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And I was enthralled by that. And then there's a scene in a, like, a, what is it, a drugstore, I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Could have been left out of this movie. Like, theoretically, you could say, oh, we could leave this out. This is kind of, but it's not. And it shows us what, and it's, it tells you about characters. And it's also really tense. And it's also really good. This is how you make a post seven, post you know, all those other movies that as Eric just mentioned movie and still make it vital, still make it count. And unfortunately I feel like this is the kind of movie that's getting no press and it's just kind of going under the radar. And it's got a really uninteresting title. And I'm sorry to say it has an interesting title, but it's true. Yeah. I, I can't remember that title. And I just watched the movie, you know, um, Zodiac. You can remember that title, the silence of the lambs. That's weird. It, it goes in your head. So this movie should have at least a, a memorable title because I think it's going to get lost in the woodwork and I don't think it should. Yeah, this, is gonna also- be, oh, they, this is going to be one of those movies that uh, if you guys bring it up, be like, I uh, remember to catch killer. And I'll be like, I don't think I saw that with Ben Mendelsohn and Shane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that, this is going to be that movie where I'll remember the movie forever. I, I will forget the title tomorrow. The original title of this movie was misanthrope. Maybe too. dude, dude, that's better. That's <laughs> okay. definitely better. Well, definitely better. Right. At least you're going to yeah. give it, at least it's definitely I, I better. I wouldn't say it's spectacular, but it's better. I mean, I, I it, it kind of is though, because like yeah. it, it's, it, it, it fits. It, 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 <laughs> covers the killer it covers the police department it covers the it covers the news media it covers dude stop going <laughs> Shailene's character shit. too Shailene's character is a misanthrope as well I mean, right that's... exactly you look 
And Damian Zifron, before this, he was actually in development for a couple of years on, on, I believe it's the $6 million man, or I guess they were calling it the $6 billion man with Mark Wahlberg. They parted over creative differences. Maybe that's why this movie was held back. The, this production for To Catch a Killer was completed over two years ago, I think in the year 2021, and it was been developed since 2019. So I also, I wanted to mention, Bruce, you, you were talking about set pieces for To Catch a Killer. Really good as far as rewatchability factor, because there are moments you can go back if you have this on digital or physical media that you might want to just go back on and see, okay, well, I want to see this really cool dinner sequence between a couple of people. Or speaking of garbage dump, let's go to the garbage dump sequence that involves a couple of characters. My goodness, I really like that. So on a very surface level, this has rewatchability factor. There are some really cool. The third act is a jaw dropper, from my opinion, as far as performance and execution. There's so many different levels. I think this is going to be a movie that is slept on. And I also feel... Well, I feel good that this movie exists. I also feel bad that when we were growing up, To Catch a Killer would be a film that would be released on a Friday. And right now, for all intents and purposes, this is being released this Friday on over 500 screens. We don't see these kind of movies too much anymore. And it would look good on the big screen. I would have actually paid money and been happy to watch this on the big screen because like you were saying, there's some great visual set pieces and it really demands sort of a, a big screen kind of attention. Most people will be seeing it, unfortunately, on their home entertainment system, with, which is just as good. But there are even the most boring moments of To Catch a Killer where you think it's going to be a person talking amidst other police officers or seemingly um, sequences that could have been shot in, a, in an obligatory fashion are not. They're just well, it's just a well done movie. So I was surprised at how much I enjoyed To Catch a Killer. Final thoughts from you guys before we get to ratings. Uh, this is a movie that uh, I, I guess this doesn't usually happen nowadays, but like the like the Shawshank Redemption mo- type movies where like, uh, you know, it's on t- you flip through it and it's on TV and you catch like a scene of Shawshank Redemption like halfway through and you're like, I guess I'm watching the rest of this now. This is one of those movies for me, uh, it, if that was a thing anymore, but it's not. But if I walk <laughs> in the room and my brother's watching this, I'll be like, I guess I'm watching the rest of To Catch a Kill or... I'm watching the rest of Misanthrope now. <laughs> Eric. Okay, Bruce Berkey, let's start with you for your rating on To Catch a Killer. Uh, I'm going to go four and a half. I think it's really, really good. Wow, four and a half stars. And we we were thinking we're going to get a, one of these straight-to-DVD type of experiences. But I remember you saying, hey, Greg, this is uh, directed by Damon Sifron, yeah. and who knows? It could be good. I agree with you, Bruce. I'm giving To Catch a Killer four and a half stars. And <laughs> I, I was really amazed at how really good this movie was. Eric Holmes, you're going to round off our ratings five star banger i love this movie i love this movie so much and then after i'm done loving this movie i'm gonna love it some more this okay. movie is so good and i love it five star banger easy. you love it so much you, you be part of our cinematics facebook group what are you gonna tell our facebook cinematics facebook group members all 600 plus of them what are you, this is going to be your stump speech to get them in theaters for this weekend what are you gonna tell I'm them gonna, i'm gonna tell them to go to the theater and watch misanthrope and then when the uh, person at the box office looks confused go i i mean to catch a killer or predator <laughs> or whatever the, the, the one with ben Mendelssohn and shane little <laughs> Okay, so that is To Catch a Killer opens in theaters Friday starring Shailene Woodley and, oh my gosh, Ben Mendelsohn, so good. There is another actor I want to mention, but I, I want to surprise you guys. <laughs> I think you guys know what I'm talking about because this person, he or she is very, very good in a movie that I really enjoyed as well, but we can't really yeah. mention that. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was, yeah, I was, gonna, I was about to pump the brakes on you. It's like, do not. 
Do not say anything. But, but I, I, I completely agree. I know what you're talking about, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, right, Bruce. Should I mention that person's name who, who should not be no, named? Do not <laughs> no, do not do it. That, do it, not. It, it, I'll say it's a it's a, a Kevin Spacey and Seven kind of situation. Like someone okay. will pop up, and you go, yeah. "Oh, it's them." Cool. Awesome. And then and then just that that's all you need to know. They that's make quite you, an entrance too. I would say. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Wow, what a what a movie to catch killer. The one of the, I think one of our biggest surprises this year. Talk about one of my biggest surprises. I don't know if Eric and Bruce love it as much as I do. This movie's called Joyland. It's two hours and six minutes. It doesn't premiere on Friday. It has a rolling release schedule. I saw it about a month ago. And here is the IMDB summary. Quote The youngest son in a traditional Pakistani family takes a job as a backup dancer. In a Bollywood-style burlesque and quickly becomes infatuated with the strong-willed trans woman who runs the show. The movie is directed and co-written by Saeem Sadiq. I do not know much about Pakistani films, but I was absolutely amazed by the overall execution of Joyland, a really resonant film. Uh, Ali Junejo plays the lead. He's hater, and he's the one who's trying to actually – he lives a different life now that he starts falling in love and lust with this trans woman, it really affects his marriage to his wife, who was her name is Mumtaz. She's played by Rasti Farooq, and Mumtaz previously had a career that she really loved, and now she must become a housewife because of this hater's recent decision to actually go out and get a job. Let's also mention before we get to Bruce and Eric's take, Alina Khan, the trans woman who plays Biba. She is the head of the Bollywood production. I believe this is to me beautifully shot. Great performances, has tons of awards and wins, um, standing ovation in Cannes, Indie, Indie Spirit Award winner as for, for as far as international film, lots of lots of great stuff. But most importantly, I want to know if Eric and Bruce are on that train regarding Joyland. Bruce, let's start off with you. All the awards warranted or maybe not? I'd say yes. I say they are warranted, but I'm, I'm also really curious to see what Eric thinks. I know sometimes with these uh like art you know art art movies sometimes they just don't hit them right but um yeah i think this movie actually though uh, is really is really broadly entertaining in a lot of ways as well as being you know a, a, a just a great character study and i i think you can kind of question whether hater is the main character of this show even though even though in this movie he has probably the most screen time and you follow him the most i mean he is ostensibly the protagonist but Mumtaz and Biba uh, are actually—I mm, don't know. I think it's there's. You could be there could be arguments made on who is who is really the focus of this movie. Like a so three, a three hander, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, there. This is just such a rich movie, and it's so subtle. Um, I don't even want to go through too much of the plot, other than to say just just the way that it delicately deals with so many characters even on the side like the father there's kind of it, it lets characters have a subtlety and nuance that you don't think you're going to get when you start this movie um when you start the movie you kind of figure out well you know hater is going to be the the downtrodden timid husband and when he has to break out of that he's going to finally learn who he is that's not what his character is at all it is, but it is not. And what you learn about his character and what kind of a person he really is, is, is kind of a surprise. And Biba as the trans, like, um, you know, performer, actress, 
you think that she's going to be one kind of a person, like this kind of just bold, brash person. But there's so much nuance there and what she really wants and what she, the way she's treated immediately at, by people versus what she really wants to be taken as is two different things and also wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then Mumtaz, I would almost say is the main character to me, even though she might have less screen time than both of the other two. And then Mumtaz having to go from someone who has autonomy and has a life and a career in the society that doesn't really value that. And what happens with her is very, very interesting uh, and impactful. And even the father and what, you know, all these other characters on the side, there's some really, really amazing scenes in this. It's beautiful, but it's also fun. I want to say there's a lot of fun in this movie too. And I think that's the kind of thing when you talk about these sort of movies, a lot of times they just feel like this downer, you know, just serious downer, indie drama, art house flick. And it has that stuff in it, but it also has a ton of fun and beautiful, rich characters. And I, I love this movie a lot. Oh, wow. Eric, do you echo those sentiments? Uh, everything except for the fun. I thought Joyland was a complete misnomer. Uh, not because <laughs> not because the movie's bad. Let me be very clear about that. I thought the movie was very good, but oh my god, they're like so. There's certain people that um like they'll watch a movie and it's like I don't like any of these characters. Like I hate all these characters, or you know, um, because hater probably everyone except Mumtaz, except maybe towards the end. Like everyone's kind of a He's a garbage human at times. Uh, you know, you kind of understand why they do what they do, um, usually because of selfish reasons. Um, but this, you know, so if you're the type of person that like uh, you need to like a character to be able to watch it or you need to be able to root for a character, because there's almost no one to root for in this because at times everyone messes up. But, you know, that's that's what humans do. That's the story this is telling. Um, just fair warning on that. But uh, yeah, this movie's oh god, especially at the end, <laughs> my heart so many times. Mm, um, yeah, but but there's uh uh it, uh, other than the fun part, which yeah, um I I would agree with everything Bruce said. Um, although at the same time, like when I saw Snow Angels, I was like, there was that that movie was a complete downer, and then I watched it again, and there's actually some funny parts in it. But that you know where where it ends up is such a downer that. Uh, when I first saw Snow Angels, I forgot about all the funny parts that Sam Rockwell did through the rest of it. Um, so it, there may be some joy in this, but once the movie was done, I, that's not what I took from it. I took it um, just a bunch of characters uh, in s- certain situations that make bad decisions, make selfish decisions. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, definitely a, a character piece. Um, it just happens to be a bunch of characters in this piece. And a lot of them aren't perfect. So be prepared for that. But that said, I thought this was a pretty amazing movie. Yeah. It, you know, uh, Bruce was talking about rich. I, I I think this movie is visually rich as well. Beautiful film. And I, I don't, again, I hopefully more movies will, will be coming out of Pakistan of Joyland's quality. Joyland specifically is the name, I believe, of, amuse, of an amusement park within the area. Um, so, so that will give extra reference for you listeners, viewers who actually decide to go see Joyland. It's out in select theaters in a rolling out fashion uh, this month. And we will put a link on how to find Joyland in your local theater. If not, hopefully you'll get to see it when it's streaming or via digital. Eric, do you, do you find this movie to be accessible 
um, even though it's a Pakistani film, it's talking about a specific part of society, a patriarchal society. Did you see that the, the do you think the story has sort of a mass appeal for cinephiles? Uh, that that's hard to say because I hear a lot of just the way they they the story treats the characters and how they utilize the characters within the story. Maybe not, but I've been surprised before. Uh, that's not to say that that it does it poorly. It's just these are very real characters making really bad decisions, and I think there's uh, uh there's more than a few people that kind of veer away from that sort of thing. And if you're one of those people, you're not going to like it. But if you're the type of person that likes to watch a movie and uh, watch humans be humans, then yeah, absolutely. They're going to love this. Okay. That is, uh, if if you're watching our uh, video feed, you saw me trying to hit hit a wall. I was trying not to catch a killer. I was trying to not even catch a spider. I was trying to kill a spider. My mind, my new moniker will be misanthrope with Srizabasti tries to (laughs) kill a spider, but let's move to more joyful thoughts as far as Joyland goes. Bruce Parker, your rating on Joyland? Uh, I'm going to go five stars. I really like this movie. <laughs> okay. All right. This, this could be, Bruce, this could be one of your top 33, right? You do a top 30 or 31 or 32. I usually do 31. I try to do one for each day of uh, the last of December because December releases don't get considered. That's their punishment <laughs> for trying to get Oscars. <laughs> you you are against the establishment, my future. You know what, Bruce? When we start making our millions, I'm going to pull you over to the dark side and make you go commercial. You're going to be com- you're going to be Bruce commercial real estate perky. I'm going to make you count those 31 December days. In fact, those would be the best days. That's when we get to feast. Bruce, what do you think of that? Huh? Um, if you sit me down and I'm a little bruised and bloody, and you make me the right deal, I will deal back to you and make sure you give me exactly what I want. And if you don't, I will expose you for what you are. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm I'm very scared. I might have to stop the recording right now. Rick Holmes, you're rating Shaley Bruce Lee. <laughs> you're, rating, um, you're rating on Joyland. I kind of want to give this five stars, but I think I'm going to go four and a half, just because and this probably isn't fair. But unlike To Catch a Killer, if how is Joyland, that not fair? You're giving it a great rating. Well, so To Catch a Killer, if it's playing on TV, I'll sit down and watch the rest of it. This one, I'll be like, if someone's watching Joyland, I'll be like, oh, this is really good. I'm not watching the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this is uh, this is a uh, uh, what, what what they say on the film vault uh, a great movie I never want to watch again. This is kind of one of those, but it, it's still really good. Um, I can totally understand that. Yeah, no, it's look. I I think I can watch it again because I am a misanthrope, but we'll see. But but I can understand what that what uh, Eric is saying. Joyland again playing in select theaters. Check our show notes on our podcast to see when or if it's playing in your local Cineplex. That is Joyland. That is for me. I, I gave it, f- I, this was a five-star banger for me. So five stars for me, five stars for Bruce, and a very logical, four, but still very, very high, four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Next up is, oh, I'm hoping, I love the pizza in New York. I love Queens. That's where I learned to roller skate. Unfortunately, I did not get this somewhere in Queens, which stars, uh, it stars Ray Romano, and I believe Laurie Metcalf's in it. Is this movie any good? Bruce Berkey, let's start off with your uh, description of it. Is it worth watching in theaters? It's uh, we, we love Ray Romano. I don't know if you love him as well or love this movie. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I like Ray Romano. I've never been like a huge fan, but I'm, I've never disliked him. I pretty much like him when I see him in things, but I don't seek him out necessarily. And he's the director of this, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, he is, as you imagine, uh, he's in this kind of large Italian family in Queens. Uh, he works with kind of uh, they could do like uh, like construction and 
landscaping and stuff. I forget exactly, but he uh, works with his family on that crew. He's kind of, he's kind of the, the uncool member of the family. They kind of look down about him as kind of the, yeah, he's, he's not as cool and, and awesome as we are. And then taking a step further, his son, uh, sticks, he goes by sticks cause he's tall and skinny. His son sticks is almost silent. You know, he doesn't talk to hardly anybody, but he's really good at basketball. And that kind of is uh, his dad's pride and joy. Sticks, 22 points. Nice. Rather win. Yeah. Yeah, of course we'd rather win. Yeah. Who's this, Sticks? Oh, this is Danny. <laughs> I mean, her name's Danielle, but yeah. Hi again. <laughs> and I guess just a first hi to you, Mr. So. Yeah, hi, hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Say something. You said hi already. Where are you from, Danielle? Uh, Forest Hills Gardens. Oh. Not the ritzy part. We're mostly normal. <laughs> Got the smallest house on the block, right, Maddie? You bid their house. Not in it, but, you know, yeah. Oh, shit. We got to go, Maddie. I uh, got to drive to work. Oh, we were going to go to Corona, get some lemon ices, you know, celebrate everything. You could come. Oh, that's so nice. Um, but my boss sucks. If I'm late, he's an idiot. So. Yeah, told I'd drive it, so let's go. It was really nice to finally meet you guys. No thanks to this one. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Wait, come here. <laughs> oh. Okay, go. Oh, come to dinner Sunday. Ma, she don't I would love to. I love Italian food. <laughs> okay, Sunday, 12 o'clock. Dinner at 12. I, I love it. I'll be there. Thank you. <laughs> now take me to work, oh. boy. You want me to get fired? <laughs> Wait, I'm slipping. Kind of heavy. Hi. Sorry. Do not fucking like her. And that's kind of your basic setup to kind of, kind of meet the family and the basic idea is Ray Romano's trying to kind of live through his son's life. Maybe he maybe he can get his son to break out of the family kind of blue collar lifestyle and get his son into college because of basketball. And uh, there's a whole thing with uh, his son falling in love with a very uh, kind of a firecracker girlfriend who's kind of from the other side of the tracks, meaning she's a little more white collar. And it's just lots and lots of family interaction. And um, this is kind of one of those meat and potatoes family comedy dramedy sort of movies that you don't get a ton of anymore but when they're done pretty well they they're kind of um the kind of those movies you can kind of settle into and, and just enjoy the ride i feel like and i feel like for me this kind of works that way yeah, it's it's sort of a linear thing if that's what you're looking for you're gonna find it pretty much with this movie yeah and it's got but it's got you know characters that you, you, you know kind of care about um it's got some some pretty humorous moments this is the kind of movie that in its best iteration is moonstruck you know and is its worst iteration? I don't know. I don't have a really bad one to describe to you, but there's really bad versions of this. And then this one, I would say, is kind of right in the middle. Like you can kind of settle into it and enjoy it. And if you're liking the characters, you'll enjoy the enjoy the trip. And there's a few turns and twists along the way with the characters, and you do get some actual character moments, which are kind of nice as well. This feels like a solid recommend from Bruce Perky. Where do you stand on this, Eric Holmes? Um, well, so uh, water is wet. Planets will orbit their star. And Laurie Metcalf will turn in a great performance. These are three things that are always, always true. Uh, I, I actually love this one. This one's actually really similar to Joyland. 
in kind of in the fact that uh, a lot of the characters in this, uh, pretty much all of them except maybe one, are kind of uh, garbage humans. Um, but this one has a lot more humor to it, so it makes it, it makes the medicine go down a lot easier. Um, the the uh, is really funny. Uh, the when Ray Romano does certain things, or the uh, family reacts to certain uh, certain news, like uh, Lori Metcalf. Uh, you know, Angela, she, uh, you know, acts a certain way towards her son and like everyone's kind of not, doesn't have everyone else, their family's best interest, the people they suppose they're supposed to love. They don't have their best interests at heart and they're all kind of, uh, bad people, um, trying to work things out, uh, again, human things. But I think where this works a lot better than, uh, uh, than Joyland for me is it has humor. It takes those human moments and like makes humor at it, whereas Joyland just gets oh man, <laughs> even just talking about it's breaking my heart. But uh, uh, this doesn't go as heavy as Joyland does because it's ultimately a comedy. Um, but it's uh, it's a fun comedy, light comedy, and Laurie Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf, and also Laurie Metcalf. Okay, it's somewhere in Queens, only in theaters on Friday. Let's start off with Bruce Perky, your rating on this film. Uh, I'm going to go three and a half stars. I had a lot of fun watching it. I would recommend it. This is definitely a, like I recommend it to a mom and dad too. Like this is the kind of movie you can say, hey, let's all watch a movie and watch it with them and they can enjoy it. Okay. What if you're a misanthrope like Greg Trzavasi? Well, should he see it? Uh, yeah, because you probably identify with some of the people in this. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair trade on that one. Uh, somewhere in Queens, Eric Holmes, rating. Uh, I'll go four on this because um, I, I think most people would probably be where Bruce is at three and a half, but this just kind of uh, just kind of got elevated a little bit towards the end because it uh, it totally manipulated me. I knew it was manipulating me, and I didn't care because it this- got me. It got me with the happy tears. This is like such a solid, like when it, it, it pops up on HBO Max or something to like watch. This is a solid one of those kind of movies, I would yeah. say. And it has yeah. Tony LaBianco, which I would say. Yeah, Tony LaBianco. Miss Tony LaBianco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I'm glad that I, I should definitely check this out. I, I have a link. I definitely want to check this out, see if it's any good. Before we get to our rotating pick this week, which is all night long, me and Eric, we have a couple of uh, quick ratings recommends. Here is a link between both movies. I'm not doing my job, by the way, with this link. Scout. These are two movies with Scout Taylor Compton. First off, I'm going to start off with The Best Man. It co-stars Scout Taylor Compton. It stars also Dolph Lundgren and Brendan Fair and Luke Wilson. And it centers on The Best Man. The Best Man is played by Brendan Fair. He attends his buddy's wedding out in a casino resort. The, his his best buddy is played by Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson is getting married to Nikki Willen. That's, uh, that's his fiance. And Nikki Willen's sister is played by Scout Taylor Compton. What happens is the best man seems like a wedding, but it's really an action thriller because a bunch of mercenaries descend on this casino hotel to wreak havoc, kill a bunch of people, take a bu- bunch of people hostage. And that is a premise of the best man these uh, aforementioned characters, Brendan Fair and Luke Wilson and Dolph Lundgren's character, they're all part of a special, uh, former special ops unit. So even though the mercenaries come in to invade this casino resort hotel, they are well-equipped because they have training in the military. That is a premise 
of The Best Man. It is directed by Shane Dax Taylor, who I recently interviewed this week, and I will be po- posting these interviews with Nikki Whelan and Shane Dax Taylor and Scout Taylor Compton this week on our Find Your Film podcast feed, interview feed. And my rating for The Best Man is it's worth a watch, especially if you like action, action thriller. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's not like a peck and pause to Wild Bunch, but it's a solid recommend, especially if you like Lundgren, Luke Wilson, if you're invested in the careers of Whelan and Scout Taylor Compton, as I am. It was a fun enough action thriller, and a lot of it is taking place into in different parts of the hotel. So, and I like the action overall. The best man for me, out in theaters, on digital, on demand, three and a half out of five. Here's the one thing, though. Shane Dax Taylor, back in 2010, he directed a movie called Bloodworth, which I saw in preparation for this Shane Dax Taylor interview, Bloodworth, Chris Christopherson, so good in this movie. And I talked, I spent a portion of it talking about Bloodworth. And that movie is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. And I'll have that interview there, but I also talked to him about the ending of Bloodworth. I'm going to clip that out, save it, and post it up on our deepestdream.com site and as well as our Cinematics Patreon maybe a week earlier. So hopefully, I don't know, down the road, maybe this is one of these movies that I would love to to see what Eric and Bruce think of Bloodworth. I don't know if they're a fan. Oh, by the way, they, I think I'm going to wet either Eric or Bruce's appetite or most, mainly both. It stars, well, Hilary, Hilary Duff. I don't think that's going to be a big draw for you guys, but this is Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's in this movie, 2010 film. Yeah, so that's a very interesting film. So um, yeah, Bloodworth, that, that's a four-star film. The best man for me, three and a half out of five. So that is it. Eric Holmes speaking of Scout Taylor Compton. She's in a movie that you covered this week. What is it? And is the movie worth it? Oh, do oh, my brain. Oh, I do not know. You do, Bury the Bride. She's in Bury the Bride. She's the second lead in oh. Bury the Bride. Yeah, there you go. See? Hi, my worry. name's Dumbass. <laughs> I'm going to cover that next week. But uh Oh, you want like, to cover it next week? Yeah, because it it hits Tubi. Yeah, on yeah, April. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, it hits it, it's on Tubi on April twenty second. Uh, well, I'll cover it more in depth uh, next week. Uh, maybe you guys will be able to see it by then. But uh, the short version is it's a, a new movie directed by Spider One, uh, Rob Zombie's brother from uh, uh, you probably know him from Power Man five thousand. Um, but uh, this is pretty good horror movie. Um, I don't want to go too much into what the plot is because there's uh, certain twists and turns. But I would say, um, do the twists and turns make the movie interesting? Did you like? Did you appreciate the side winding kind of thing? Do it. They're they're not big twists, and uh, I hadn't seen the trailer, so maybe this is given away in the trailer. But I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't want to give anything away that I shouldn't. <clears throat> but it's uh, some girls out and hanging out by themselves, you know, uh, amongst friends, and one of their uh, one of the friends, their boyfriend comes over with their friends. And uh, things kind of go south. And this, I, I wasn't familiar with uh, Spider One's direct. I, I guess he directed one movie before this, and I wasn't familiar with his uh, directing style. I just assumed it was probably similar to Rob Zombie, and that's hit and miss for some. Uh, this was surprisingly kind of reined in a lot. It was definitely kind of like a horror B movie, but it's like a really good version of a horror B uh, horror B movie. And uh, if this is what Spider can do, I'm looking forward to seeing more. And apparently him and uh, was it Chrissy Fox um, both wrote this, and Chrissy Fox also stars in it. And I'm just giving a full review on it now, so might as well finish. <laughs> but uh, they, they, have a, they have another movie uh, 
that they're working on. And I believe Chaz Bono is going to be in that. Chaz Bono is a little bit in uh, Bay of the Bride. Uh, this Look, if you like uh, horror movies, um, this is pretty good one. Pretty good one. Okay. What would you give it? What's your rating on Bay of the Bride? Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to review this. <laughs> <laughs> leave you, you, you're gonna give you okay no, well, I, just, I, I, this uh for what this is is it i don't want to say three-star banger this this kind of feels like a three-star banger but it's actually a little bit better than that um oh okay because I, I mentioned four. i mentioned b movie but it's kind of like a kind of like b movie in that dust till dawn is a b movie or that uh devil's rejects is a b movie or uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a B movie. It's kind of it's kind of uh, takes itself seriously enough, but it's just ridiculous enough. So I'll go three star banger, but I think it's a little better than that. What three star? Three star banger is a very good rating there. Yeah, but that's, that's so three star banger is like uh, if you're into this thing, you're gonna like it, and if you're not, you're not gonna like it. But I think people that aren't into these kind of movies might. Might dig it a little more than I'm giving it credit for. Okay. Well, three star banger. That's uh, praise from Eric Holmes regarding oh, Barry the Bride. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Ryuhei Kitamuro. Uh, his movie was Steven Dorf. Mm-hmm. We covered oh. it. What, what was Right. The, the price that? that you pay or something? Was it the price you yeah. pay or something? Guy, yeah. Guys, filmmakers, titles, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's pick it up. No, no, uh, no, my bad. I'm getting it wrong. To, to catch a killer prequel, whatever that was. Um, this is kind of. Uh, Bury the Bride's kind of in that wheelhouse. And I think this is a little better than that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I remember. You know what? I remember Bruce really not liking that dwarf film <laughs> no, at all. One. Right. The price we pay. Emil Hirsch. That, what a memorable point. Oh, <laughs> Emil <Hirsch>. yeah. <laughs> That's something. I thought that movie would stick. Okay. So anyways, Bury the Bride 3. Oh, Oops, 3 yeah, star. No, no, I mean, no, and no. you put an N in there, maybe. There we go. What? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bury the Bride on April 22nd. It'll be streaming on Tubi. I will also put up on our Find Your Film feed, podcast feed, Eric's interview with Chaz Bonham for Bury the Bride. And look, don't feel don't feel bad, Eric, that you didn't know about the Scott Taylor, uh, Scott, uh, what, uh, what, Scout Taylor Compton or, yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't ask her about Bury the Bride. I should have. She actually mentioned Bury the Bride. In the interview, and I forgot to. I did not follow yeah. up with that. My friggin' fault. I'm an idiot. So don't yeah, feel I, bad. I, I was I was looking at the Google Doc. And I'm like, I don't remember Scott in touch of Zen. <laughs> I'm very confused right now. Yeah. So we, we love Scott Taylor Compton. Look, what is? I'm I'm horrible with with names. So did you? Didn't you see her in what's that movie? Um, the Rob Zombie movie. Didn't she work with Scott Taylor Compton with Rob Zombie in Halloween Two? Yeah, no, it's Halloween from 2007. That's how she's part of the whole zombie universe. And she's a big part of the whole indie horror community. So I'll be posting that on our Find Your Film thing as well. And she's a big part in this movie, right? She's a, oh, she has a, she has, yeah, pretty, okay, but good. Yeah. I also have to, I have to mention this. Um, first of all, the, with the interview with uh, Chaz Bono coming up, um, it was very short because, uh, it kind of conflicted with, uh, other stuff I had going on that day. And mm-hmm. I, I have to apologize to Chaz Bono because I wasn't quite on, on the ball like I normally would be, but, uh, he, he was great. But one of the things, um, and this will be, th- this will make sense to anyone that's listened to us for a while, but, uh, um, uh, Chaz, you know, it asked the box question, what's the movie you want to put in the box? And Chaz Bono uh, mentioned The Exorcist. I mentioned we love Willem Friedkin. Uh, Willem Friedkin, one of his first movies was uh, sharing uh, Sonny Bono, uh, Good Time. Yes. They asked me not to mention any family stuff. 
So I had to let that one go. And that's why uh, I, I'm sure Chaz would have been fine with it, given the context, but I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to do that. So if you're listening to that and like go, Eric, why didn't you put that together? I did. I just pumped the brakes on it. Cause they asked me <laughs> not to. Well, very professional of you to pump the brakes. That's very, very good. Now we're not going to pump the brakes on this movie before we get to all night long. Very quickly, a touch of Zen. It's part of the Hong old school Kung Fu Fest, which again, April 21st through the 30th. If for more information, go to subwaycinema.com or listen to our Find Your Film interview, Eric's interview with Goran Topolovic. He is the co-founder, one of the co-founders of Old School Kung Fu Fest. If you want to see a bunch of, I don't know how to pronounce it, wuxia, wuxia films, check it out. One of the trademark films that are going to be screening at the Metrograph is the three hour, it says here, three hour and 20 minutes on IMDb. I think Eric and I saw close to a three hour version. So it's interesting to see if we saw a cut version because I I only remember three hours, but I don't know. Maybe Eric, you remember three hours. Anyways, a touch of Zen quote, a lady fugitive on the run from corrupt government officials is joined in her endeavors by an unambitious painter and skilled Buddhist monks. What a horrible, what a horrible description. Fugitive on the run from government officials is joined by an unambitious painter and skilled Buddhist. Okay. Yeah. Oh, horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> King who is a director and co-writer. The reason why it's horrible, and I'm going to say it right now, you don't, the lady fugitive thing, that's a mystery. That, that's a, a part of the whole mystery and ambiance be, behind A Touch of Zen. I don't know if you agree with me on, on this, Eric Holmes, but there's a lot of, I'm sure Tarantino saw this back in the day and what's probably loved it, but it's just an epic Wuxia film. And probably I, I see how movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon were influenced by such films as this. It is headlined by Feng Xu, H-S-U, and she's the aforementioned lady fugitive and a bunch of her Movies, maybe a couple of her movies are part of that old school Kung Fu Fest. Eric Holmes, A Touch of Zen. I think you've seen a bunch of other movies on this old school Kung Fu Fest, and we will cover that next week. But for the purposes of this episode, your thoughts on A Touch of Zen? Uh, well, first of all, I'm looking at the runtime. It's three hours and 20 minutes. Um, I will say it doesn't not feel like that. It kind of moves. Uh, as far as the, the, the plot synopsis, I mean, Technically, yeah, but like, how do you explain the plot synopsis of Star Wars? How do you explain the plot synopsis of Lord of the, uh, the Rings? Or, you know, uh, as much as we give uh, comic book movies crap, how do you explain the plot synopsis of Avengers? Like, this is this is more of the the long journey and the uh, themes presented throughout, as opposed to uh, plot. Dude, the first forty five minutes, forty five fifty minutes, deals with the painter's decision on whether. How is he going to proceed with his life as far as his life's ambition? Is he going to go to some kind of a trademark school so he can get a real job or continue his journey as a painter? So that's why I was just really a little bit, yeah, I did not like yeah. the synopsis. It, Eric, yeah, I also, oh, I, I, I was going to say, I, I completely agree with you. You mentioned tone poem a lot. Okay. And this has a version is kind of like a tone poem because you have to be in this, there is action, but there are a lot of philosophical kind of vibes and it's beautifully shot as well to a touch of Zen. I think I was just overall swept away with the overall ambiance and atmosphere and what this movie was going for. Did did you fall in love with this movie as much as I did? I, I did. The, this also has like a lot of uh, different characters in similar situations and how those characters kind of, uh, get through those situations and you know uh, you got the one character who doesn't really like to fight so he finds certain ways around uh the situation whereas another character is you know complete warrior you know he's going to go in sword first and uh ask questions later um 
there's uh one character that uh uh we'll say does things uh you know the evil villainy way um i don't want to get into the ending but where the ending goes is a bit uh, what do talk about a, a little bit but it was kind of that that's the great thing about this movie it takes you through that journey and then when it gets to the end i think the end just pays off everything just beautifully because it, it kind of earns that esoteric ending, even though the, the journey to get there is kind of like what you would expect in a, in a star Wars or a Lord of the Rings or stuff. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's themes and ideas throughout, but it's not hitting you over the head with it until the end. And then the end just kind of brings it all together. I thought. When Bruce earlier in the episode, you mentioned that Joyland is an entertaining film. We talked about philosophy, the, the long journey of the hero and the heroine. Let's not get it twisted. A Touch of Zen is very entertaining as well. I think it goes back to Eric's point that three hours and 20 minutes doesn't feel like it. Well, if it doesn't feel like it, then it has to be a very compelling and entertaining film. I am just disappointed it took me all this time to get to A Touch of Zen. I'm glad this is one of the films that are pretty much spotlighted in old school Kung Fu Fest, along with a documentary on King Hu, who is the filmmaker of a touch of Zen. Any final thoughts before we get? This is for me. This is a five star banger. Uh, you're rating on a touch of Zen. I, I would probably agree with that. Um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll you know repeat this until until uh, uh, Buddha comes home. But uh, it, if you like Star Wars, if you like Lord of the Rings, you know, if you like those kind of movies, this is one of those kind of movies. And I think it's uh, the the actions there, the characters are there. Um, and I think this is one that's kind of elevated a bit by the uh, philosophy that it inspires and, and on top of all the action and all the character work it does. And I think next week we're going to cover some more wuxia. And I apologize for the mispronunciation. If I am, we're going to be covering more films because old school Kung Fu Fest goes on next week when we st- when we tape another episode of Cinematics with Anderson Cowan. So look forward to a couple of our reviews of some of the films that are spotlighted at the fest over the next week or so so that is a touch of zen by the way if you're not going to be at the old school kung fu fest you can check out a touch of zen on the criterion channel it's available um, i believe on a bunch of digital platforms and for the actual schedule of old school kung fu fest go to subwaycinema.com so that is that as i think we're almost pretty much finished i'm looking at the list i think we covered almost everything except the rotating pick which is all night long Mm -hmm. Wow, this is an interesting movie because thank you to our Cinematics Facebook group member and I, I pretty, <laughs> you know, he and Matt Stillman, they should probably be part of the whole Find Your Film Cinematics crew because Joseph Bridges has done yeoman's work over the last several years being the Leonard Friggin Malton of the Facebook group because he does reviews of movies that I he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. One of these films he's been telling me for the last couple of years to see is all night long because I'm a huge fan of jazz. I remember a couple of years ago, I told my mom to see it. She she initially did not like it, but then as the movie wore on, she ended up liking it. And specifically, it's set in, I think, the movie was released in 1962. It's 91 minutes directed by Basil Dearden. I have never heard of this filmmaker, but very interesting filmmaker from after watching All Night Long. All you got to know, it's John Black and White, and it's a, at the time, it was a modern day retelling of Shakespeare's Othello with a couple of little hitches, storytelling wise. And this, you know, the big hitches, it's set in a London jazz club. There are jazz icons such as Charles Mingus and Dave Brubeck, who and Johnny Dankworth, who appear 
in All Night Long. The premise of the movie is, well, the Iago in this film is Patrick McGowan. He's trying to break up basically the the Lovebirds, who is who plays Othello. The Othello version is played by is Aurelius Rex, played by actor Paul Harris, and his wife is Delia Lane, played by stage actress Marty Stevens. So that is the premise of All Night Long. I'm going to get to my re- my review of it uh, in a sec, but Bruce Berkey, Joseph Bridges was singing its praises. Do you sing its praises as well? I do. I do. Um, first of all, I was going to mention uh, the one thing I know Basil Dearden from is the probably the landmark horror anthology to start all horror anthologies called Dead of Night. And uh, right. Basil Dearden did Dead of Night, which has uh, one of the first uh, evil uh, ventriloquist dummy uh, sequences in it. So uh, if you ever want to go back and check out that, that's uh, pretty cool too. So that's a little side note. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, we talk about chamber pieces or kind of these, um, it almost feels like something that might have been a stage play, yes. but in, in a good way, because I mean, you have everything basically taking place with slowly all of your characters show up to this uh, party. Was it their one year anniversary party? Right. Right. And they all start showing up and then you start to find out who all the characters are and all the moving pieces. And you kind of find out who's playing what angle. And then the whole rest of the movie is either there or kind of out on this sort of uh, balcony kind of fire escape place you know, overlooking the alleyway. And that's pretty much the only, and the different rooms within this kind of larger setting. And, um, and within that, it's also got elements that are almost musical. Like there are at least, what would you say, maybe two or three, maybe four extended uh, musical scenes of yes. different jazz. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> Here's a like lot. More, more, more. But yeah. and I'm not a huge jazz fan, but it was really fun to watch because you see just these virtuosos, you know, playing their different parts. And I guess uh, when I read the 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 trivia, is that Patrick McGowan had to learn how to play drums because I was wondering when I watched him. I was thinking like, it looks like he's really playing drums. And I guess he had to learn how to play the drums and he kept the drum set, you know, after this and all that, but That's all of that, cool. all of that aside, this is a fun movie or fun. I say fun, bad. I'm using that word incorrectly probably today. This is mm-hmm. um, an entertaining movie and an intriguing movie because you are watching how this, like you said, Iago character is trying to pull all the strings to cause all the cards to fall, to get what he wants. And you're just waiting to see what evil is going to befall everybody and if he's going to ever get found out. And that's kind of the intrigue that, that winds this whole thing. Do we also mention that Richard, Richard Attenborough was in this movie? I was going to get to that. Yeah, my bad. Thank you. Yeah, Richard At- <laughs> the movie starts with Richard Attenborough. He yeah. is the owner of this London jazz club. And he's the first face you see because the first opening yeah. mo- moments has him uh, along with the people, some of the band members and uh, some of the crew just trying to fill in the the party. So yeah. he he's a very charismatic actor and successful actor, character actor. And then even his, he had a great directing career. I mean, Gandhi is one of his credits, you know, so what do you spare? No expense. Yeah. <laughs> spare no expense. You can't recognize it's him until you're like, Oh wait, that is him. You have to draw a beard on him. Maybe you can tell it's him. Maybe. But yeah. uh, this has uh, the other thing about this is this has two interracial couples in here. And it's not even hardly mentioned that they're inter- interracial. It's just, a state of fact. And in 1962, that had to be pretty daring. I'm not sure how this was or wasn't able to get marketing throughout 
the US and around the world based on that. I don't know. But I, I feel like that had to be slightly daring, especially in that age. But that's kind of beside the point. It's 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 kind of crackling good script and entertainment. I mean, a lot of fun. And like I said before, you know, if you you're gonna have at least a little bit of appreciation of jazz, even if you don't after watching this, because it's it's a lot of fun to watch that too. Well I'm a huge jazz fan. I think Joseph was right as far as how much I'm gonna really enjoy all night long. I don't know if you're a jazz fan, Eric Holmes, or maybe if you're a fan of this movie, where do you land on this film? It's about the notes you don't play, right? Um, <laughs> uh, real quick, though, uh, Paul Harris played Aurelius Rex. So this is the uh, first movie that Richard Attenborough was in with a character with the last name <laughs> Rex. Rex. <laughs> <laughs> right, funny. Um, Hashtag Jurassic Park. Very good. Yeah, the, the, this was a really good, uh, I guess it's based on Othello. Uh, William yeah. Shakespeare play. I'm not that familiar with uh, uh, Othello, um, but uh, you know, but uh, the the story in this is pretty good. Uh, just yeah, the guy going around doing the machinations, doing the thing. It kind of reminded me of a, a Jules Dask movie where the, you got the you got the person playing around. And you're like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I see what you, I see what you're doing. You clever little bug, you. Um, yeah, Richard Attenborough's great. Patrick McGoon's great. I did not know he wasn't a drummer. Because Washington, because I I played drums, so Washington play it looked like looked like it was pretty right on. He was playing some good stuff. Maybe maybe it's like they did in Whiplash, where he's got the hands close enough, and they overdo. You know, I I have no idea how they do that, but it looked really good. But the uh, the plot in this, and this is all about plot. Uh, you know, unlike a uh, uh, Touch of Zen, this is a hundred percent plot, but with good characters, which makes it even better. Um, but uh yeah this is good stuff and the ending um ending of this is uh, really pays off well too and and some of it's kind of like uh low key kind of I won't say much more about that the ending's really good I'll, I'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah. also we're getting all night long if you were a fan of jazz there is going to be an upscale as far as viewership i mean I, this could have been a movie that i think a lot of people if even if you don't like the story if you want to see charles mingus and dave freaking brew in a movie together and playing in one of the segments you're going to want to see this movie so there's a lot of value added as far as if you're a jazz enthusiast but for me i really enjoyed this overall i thought this was a solid entertaining film I would give this four out of five stars. Four, uh, this was a four-star rating for me. Eric Holmes, your rating on All Night Long. I'd probably go four stars as well. Real quick about the music. Uh, the music's really good, especially if you're into jazz. Um, you know, Obviously, you're going to like it more than most. I would say the musical numbers kind of start paying off more towards the end. Where like where uh, yeah. someone's singing to someone else and it actually means something there. Whereas early on, it's just, hey, we're watching a musical number that doesn't really have any weight to it yet but as the movie can as the movie progresses i think the musical numbers start having stuff either on stage or off stage going on that kind of uh kind of adds a little more weight to the story that's being told well, yeah, very good point eric we have to mention that because yes if you're a jazz fan you're gonna really like like this but as eric accurately states it really ties into the whole <laughs> the whole plot of the movie so well done on that four stars for you eric holmes four stars for me bruce Berkey. Yeah, I think I'll go four stars too. And I'd say, I, only thing I'll add to it is if you want to have the ridiculous along with the sublime, this being the sublime, uh, just pair it up with Bucket of Blood by Roger Corman. And then you yes. get like the beatnik side of this. Uh, I think it would be a really fun double feature. Okay. That's, actually, that's actually a brilliant double feature. I would have never in a million years <laughs> came up with it. But now that you say it, I'm like, that is absolutely what you need to do. <laughs> Roger Corman's Bucket of Blood and Basil Dearden's 
all night long. That's the double feature suggested by one Bruce Perky. I think that is it for our, are we picking anything out of the box for, for in a couple of weeks? Or are we doing that box picks for next week? Or are we just waiting for Anderson? No. You can mention well, Anderson's pick for next week. Yeah, we'll just mention Anderson's pick, which is going to be Igby Goes Down. And uh, we will all be discussing that next week along with, uh, what do we have? Sisu and the Black Demon, I believe. Yeah. And uh, some other uh, things. Uh, well, I guess I already I guess I guess already reviewed Bury the Bride today, but maybe we'll mention it again uh, if you guys end up watching. Maybe we'll, we got, we'll dig up the bride. Next yeah, week. we got, we got <laughs> That's so uh, Bruce 32 sounds. Uh, we got, oh, yeah. What, yeah, so... Yeah, and by the way, bangers. We had some bangers today. Bangers to come next week. For oh sure. yes, yes. I have, I have not seen Sisu as of yet. I'm the only one out of our foursome who's not who has not seen Sisu, Bruce, and Eric. They've already seen it. Anderson Cowan, our buddy, has already seen it. He'll be here next week for the taping recording of Cinematics. Yes, Bruce Berkey. I would say I can't review it, but I would say probably just reading the intertitles in that movie is the best intertitles of the year. That's Ooh. all I'm going to say. Okay, that's all you're going to say. That's all, there's a lot to say, Bruce. Before we go, final thoughts, Eric Holmes? Uh, yeah, go uh, check out uh, Bury the Bride. Uh comes out on Tubi Saturday. Tubi's free, so give it a shot. You know, If you don't like it, you can bail with, and you lost nothing but a few minutes. Uh, but I think it's a good one. And uh, Sisu. Sisu's coming to theaters. <laughs> go buy a ticket to see Sisu. But I'm not going to review it. Am you're, I here? Here. you're just saying something, a declarative statement. And, and to catch a killer or a misanthrope and touch his yeah. end <laughs> and somewhere in Queens and Joyland and just watch them all. We, just watch them all. They, this was a great episode. We covered yeah. some really great ones this week. It was pretty, pretty good. It was a pretty, pretty good episode. And as per usual, oh, Pete, I'm sorry we didn't drop the beat this week. We're going to drop your beat and rock that beat and set that beat and turtle that beat. And you, By the way, we love Pete from Middle Class Film Class. Yes. Eric Holmes. He should have dropped the beat while talking about the movie about music. Oh yeah, we should have. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, it was my my. Yo, Daddy O, drop that beat. (laughs) (laughs) Drop that beat, Pete. So, anyways, as per usual, final thoughts from Bruce Bergen. This is the bonus movie touch at the very end, and that is, I've only watched half of this movie so far, but if you watched The Gray Man and Red Notice, and you were just hankering for more. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Ghosted is coming your way. Don't touch Red Notice. I love it. We'll see you guys next week here on Cinematics. How dare you, Bruce? <laughs>